0: One, Fernanda, thank you so much for doing this. I I was listening to your podcast, which I want you to explain to everybody in, in just a couple of minutes. But I was listening to your uh, your podcast, and it's like a real educational resource. Like I didn't realize how much because I wanted you to come on because I wanted to learn something. And then I started listening to your podcast, and I was like, maybe I should stop listening because I won't have any questions left. Like it was actually really good, and you're very articulate the way you explain things, and you have very reliable guests on. I thought it was really cool. Um, but I'd like for you to explain to me why it was so important for you or why you even thought it would be interesting for you to start a podcast about this.
1: Well, um, hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to dive into this conversation. And the reason why I started the podcast is because, personally, I had never come across um, you know, the desire to be non-monogamous or... Uh, the idea that this type of relationship could actually really work. Like if you had asked me before, I would have said, um, no, you know, when you really love someone, you only want to be with that person. Um, and I still believe that there's some true in that, but it really depends on the person. And also it is a fact that sometimes, especially when you're in a long-term relationship, um, feelings, you know, change and, and you might want to explore other things. Um, and then I moved to New York about five years ago and I, uh, burned, uh, I met people from the Burning Man community who intersects a lot with the non-monogamous community. And, uh, I just learned a lot from seeing how they handle their relationship and being able to see how you could do this in a healthy way. Made me think, uh, that more people should know about it, not because they should necessarily be open up their relationship, but just because they should know that there are options. There are many ways to do relationships. Um, So, yeah, I I started having conversations with my friends in the community that I found just really, really interesting. And I felt like other people needed to have those conversations too, or at least, you know, listen to the conversations I was having, I was already having with my friends and people in the community.
0: So did you... Growing up, or, you know, how you said that you, you always thought one way, and then you started to, you know, learn some more things about yourself and about other ways of doing things and other ways of loving and interacting with people. When you were younger, you were saying that you always thought that there was only really one way to do things. Is that correct?
1: Right. Um, I think I grew up like most people grow up with the idea of, you know, you you have a boyfriend or a husband. You have your partner and that's the person you are going to be with and cheating is wrong and you should not desire to be with other people. If you do desire it, you should not act on those desires. So that was my idea going in. And also from my personal experience, um, you know, when I first met someone, I was like so in love with that person that I would think like, why would I, you know, why would anyone feel any desire to be with someone else? So my idea growing up, of relationships was very much monogamous. Mm.
0: Yeah. That's uh, you would say that there's a stigma against uh, your type of lifestyle, correct?
1: Yes. I think there's stigma. Uh, I think there's definitely, it, it is definitely changing. Like the idea has been introduced into the mainstream society and more people are approaching that lifestyle, but there's still some stigma around it. There's, um, but more than stigma, I think there's a lot of misconceptions as well, um, because people don't know what it is like. People have not encountered this sort of relationship that often, so they just make assumptions and, and judgments uh, based on what they know, which is the fairy tale story of you know two people um, getting together mm-hmm. and, and being in love and being monogamous for the rest of their lives. Uh so I, I think that's changing, but definitely there's still some stigma around it. Uh which you know, I'm trying to break a little bit with the podcast as
0: well. Well, yeah, the um the monogamous one on one relationship is it's it's a very romantic tool used in a lot of literature and a lot of visual media. Um one of the reasons not only because it's the most I don't want to use the word normal, but it's the most abundant type of relationship. Um so and it's also I feel like it's easier to write uh, a monogamous romance-like novel than it would be to write, like, a polyamorous romance. Like, that seems like a really hard task to do. So it is larger in media for the uh, monogamous relationship. It's also uh, ingrained in a lot of the uh, American culture and a lot of cultures that moved to the Americas. But, so one of the reasons why I find, and and I'm not monogamous, um, just so everyone knows, if if you already didn't know everybody, but, one of the reasons why I find polyamory so interesting is because I wasn't really introduced into this whole uh, idea until maybe high school when I was like in history class and we were learning about like different cultures and different countries around the world and how they uh, deal with romance and how they deal with uh, different hierarchy and relationships. And I also read a book uh, and it's actually pretty famous. Um, but not honestly, probably not a lot of people would know it though. It's a, uh, it's called Brave New World, and mm-hmm. it. You know Do you know the book Nineteen Eighty Four? Yeah, of course. So Brave New World and Nineteen Eighty Four are kind of similar. And whenever people buy one of those books, other you would get recommended. Oh, now get this one either Nineteen Eighty Four or Brave New World. And in Brave New World, um, it talks about the future and what would happen. And one of the things it says is odds are. A lot of people are going to change over to polyamory. Am I? I'm saying that correctly, right? Uh, polyamory. Yes. So odds are, the way things go, a lot of people are going to end up switching over to that because that's. I feel like that. I don't have much to say on with the author, but it does seem like that's where a lot of people in modern day relationships are going. But what's your take on that?
1: Yeah, I, I agree that, as I mentioned before, it's something that's becoming more prominent. Um, I, I don't see a future in which everyone's going to be non-monogamous. I still think that um, most people would probably choose some sort of monogamous relationship. Mm-hmm. But things have changed a lot in society lately, uh, you know. Uh, before, uh, before we had contraception, even you know you could not be polyamorous that much because you know you could end up with childs from different men, and you know, and, and some societies had that sort of structure, and they had more of a communal way of raising kids, so that also existed. But but you know, just the fact that now women are are able to you know have sex with several partners without having several children. Um, makes things easier. The fact that women are also working in, in our society now. So, mm. uh, earning money. So they don't depend on men to, to even raise their children to, if they happen to have them or just to, you know, live independent independent lives, like the, the, um, you know, the divorces are on the rise, like the structure of, uh, you know, um, marriage is not anymore so rigid and you know even before when there were marriages a lot of people cheated and still they they continue to cheat on their partners so non-monogamy is something that has always existed um is just about opening it up and, and being more honest about it so I definitely think that now it has become more accepted to say uh you know that I'm in mean, an open relationship, in a non-monogamous relationship, however you want to call it, and and for society to accept that before uh, it would be you know in, almost impossible if you were like a woman who did not have access to contraception and uh, could not work or or could not get enough money to sustain herself and 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 your whole community expected of you that you fulfill your role as a wife and a mother in a monogamous relationship and then it would be more often than not that the men would be the ones who would go out and cheat Um, And that's you know the reality of it and hopefully well not hopefully that is actually changing now and i think that's why people are more open to it as well Uh, also the internet you know now people are more exposed to those ideas through social media and um, yeah, I, I, definitely see it as a trend that's happening. And I notice also in the amount of interest that has come, um, um, to me, after I did the podcast, like people are very, very interested in this topic because a lot of people are starting to be introduced to the idea, but they don't really know what it is, or they don't really know how to do it in a way that's ethical. Um, so there's definitely, this is definitely a trend that's on the rise. Um, again, it's not everyone's cup of tea and it doesn't have to be, mm-hmm. it's just about having the options.
0: You, you brought up a lot of really interesting things. Um, I'm going to try to remember everything you said, but the first thing I want to ask you, cause, um, do you, what's your opinion? Cause I know you won't, I don't think you'd be able to give me an accurate answer cause this is a pretty big question but do you think um at least in your community it's more male or female who are involved in polyamory
1: well you know it's very interesting because um I feel like there's this misconception that men are normally the ones that are most interested in um you know being with other women or having a threesome or exploring in that way um and I'm not sure that's completely true Uh, I think that at least in the circles that I frequent myself with, there's a lot of women who also have those desires. And interestingly, as a woman, uh, it's a lot easier also to, you know, hook up with, you know, you have more options to hook up with because the culture Mm -hmm. normally is like, you know, and I'm talking obviously, uh, you know, in a heterosexual couple Mm -hmm. Uh, the culture is um, is you know the guy pursues the girl and as a woman it's a lot more easier to find those guys coming up to you as a man you have to do the extra work of like going in the dating app i mean obviously it depends who you are how you relate to people etc but uh, in a way it is easier for women to be non-monogamous uh, the part that is harder for women is that there's a lot more stigma so what i find is that contrary to what most people would think like often the ones that are really jealous are the men uh, more than the women um if the if the woman does want to be non-monogamous i often find that you know the men might feel jealousy or possessiveness and all these things mm-hmm. that they might not want to feel it themselves but are ingrained in our in our society the idea that you know, slut shaming and that uh, a woman who sleeps around is a slut, but then a man who, you know, sleeps around is, is, is a cool person, you know, it's like, uh, is winning in life, you know? So all of these ideas, even for people who are well-intentioned and don't want to inflict their jealousy on women, a lot of men end up, end up feeling that way.
0: Wow. I, again, that was a lot of information and I actually agree with a lot of it. I think um I actually when when you say that uh, most people believe and I do think most people do believe this. Uh most people believe that men are more like the go-getter there where they want to have sex all the time with different partners that they're going to cheat more. Um not only in my experience, but just in my perception, I I do see that uh women are more willing or wanting to be in an open relationship, in a in a polyamorous relationship, and I do see, uh, like you said before, men are also more. I don't want to use the word controlling, but they're a lot more attached to monogamy. Um, even even when men cheat, I still know notice that they are still more attached to monogamy than uh, any other form of uh, relationship. And I remember having this conversation with with a, a good amount of people about, um, you know, why men might feel this way and coming from a straight monogamous man who who I am, I I feel like I might have a good idea or opinion about why this might be. And it could be societal. It could be cultural. Um, But I remember I was going away to school, right? And I had to have a conversation with my girlfriend. I was like, are we, are we going to break up? Are we going to stay together? What are we going to do? We ended up staying together. Of course, and we're still together now. She's actually going to be on her way home soon. But, what I had to do is I would sit in my bed at night and I would think about, would I be comfortable knowing that somebody else is with my girlfriend? Now, while she's my girlfriend, obviously as a monogamous man, no, I wouldn't be comfortable. Um, But if we were not together anymore, there'd be a different situation. But I was thinking about, I feel like as a man, seeing another man or imagining another man with, my girlfriend is it's kind of leveling like it kind of destroys me because men, as, as far as I know, by nature are more territorial. Um, we are we have we're primarily different, different. So we see women and this is going to sound horrible, but imagine you're talking to a caveman like 20,000 years ago. We see women almost as property. This is mine. The, and I'm going to take care of this and I'm going to breed with this because this is my legacy. This is my evolution. So I feel like the way men see women is a lot different when, than the way women see men or women see each other. Because primarily, men would have to compete for women. And now that competition has turned into passion, has turned into love. And I feel like that's why a lot of straight monogamous men are very territorial and very controlling over their women, even when they don't have control over themselves. Now, I'm not saying one way is right and one way is wrong, but this has been my perception um, or perspective on how things work. Do You know what I mean?
1: Yes, I know what you mean. Uh, I don't. I I'm not fully sure how much I agree in in thinking that this is nature, like the territorial, mm-hmm. uh, you know, aspect of men. Like I feel like. Um, you know you might be right on that but I think that it is mostly it is mostly our society that has objectified women and um you know made men think that we are theirs their possession and you know and feeling threatened if another man is with their their woman right in, in quotes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh you know like it's not um It's not something that is right but it's something that has been ingrained in us uh, through society but it's something that hopefully is changing now that you know uh women are um speaking up and are living independent lives and are uh, realizing that we've been objectified for so long and we want that different reality but it is true i mean it is more again it is more common for men to feel that jealousy and jealousy and that possessiveness and and feeling threatened but um you know what i challenge men uh to to do is to you know first of all accept that that's something that they feel
0: mm-hmm.
1: that does not mean that it's justified but understand that does not mean that it will always be like that right so I can give an example, the example of my own relationship, right? So when I started, um, dating other people, um, my partner did feel jealous and did have a hard time doing that, you know, letting me go on dates, uh, things like that, but now you know, he's just totally okay with that because, you know, you have to get used to this idea and most people are just not used to it and you can get over that jealousy. Some people, not everyone, but like some people can get over that jealousy, that possessiveness and start thinking of their partners as independent people who can make their own choices as opposed to their property because, you know, because you've made these agreements. Again, not everyone can do this. Mm-hmm. Some people will always feel jealous, and some people do not want to go through the process of, you know, letting letting themselves be, feel a little jealous so they can, like, you know, get used to um, their partner going on dates or being with someone else or whatever. Um, and that's okay as well, as long as the other person is okay with that. So I think that every relationship needs to be an agreement as opposed to just an assumption that, We're going to be monogamous. You're not going to be with anyone. I'm not going to be with anyone. And then, you know, not letting the conversation be open of like, actually, what would be better for you? And what would be better for me? You know, And, and, and where can we meet in the middle? So I just like invite people to have those conversations. And by the way, my partner is monogamous so far. So he has not chosen to go and see other, other women yet. Um, and I have, and, you know, I have, I interviewed him for one of the episodes of my podcast, um, episode 11 of the polycurious podcast, if anyone's interested in listening to that, but obviously our type of relationship is very unique. Uh, I mean, not very unique because I'm sure there are other relationships like that, but at least in my experience, I've, I've, I have not encountered something like that. And, um, it is possible for, for, for men to come to that point. Um, you know, obviously I have a very special partner. Not everyone can do that, but it is possible to overcome that. Uh, What you say is nature, but might be also society. It's possible to overcome that for sure. Uh, For, for many people, not maybe not everyone, but it should be a choice, not a, uh, not something imposed on you.
0: I do think, um, you know, nature and nurture, both society, culture, and like I said, nature, I think they all play a part in it. Absolutely. I think, um, part of nature is creating a culture and that culture can become a choice, that society can become a choice, how you run things can become optional and then, you know, however the rock rolls, you know, like we're going to pick up whatever we pick up. Um, So I do think, yeah, both uh, nature and nurture play a large role in what decisions we make as a society and culture. Um, So I think I I understand everything you're saying. I I do want to talk about something you you did say about the jealousy do you think that when one partner wants to open up their relationship and the other partner becomes jealous I know that happens but do you think that's the only way to describe it and this might sound confusing so I'm going to give you two examples um one example you already know jealousy you know what jealousy is everyone does um, and another example, which I feel like, and listen, I, I don't know, I've never been in this situation, so take it with a big grain of salt. Um, and like I said, like a couple of days ago, talk to me like I'm a child, because I don't really know what I'm talking about, but the way, what I would feel if my significant other wanted to open our relationship, um, I, I don't know, I wouldn't feel jealous cause nothing's happened yet. Right. But I would feel a little, hurt. And that might be, you know, my own, uh, what's it called, insecurities. It could be. I know that might be something uh, you could say. Um, is it? I have no idea. But I feel like the reason why it might hurt is not really my insecurities, but because I really am monogamous. Um, in that situation, when there's either jealousy or maybe clearly I just don't, I, I or some other people wouldn't fit into a polyamorous relationship do you think the correct thing to do would either a try to work through it in both scenarios? Um, or would you say to leave the relationship or is it like, if it's it's not binary, like what's the middle ground? Like what would you do in those two scenarios Or, or do those scenarios not even really exist?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, of course that exists. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say it depends on what your partner wants um, as well, right? So if, if you feel very uncomfortable, so there's many options, right? Like you might want to be in a non-monogamous relationship, but you might feel jealous. And, and those feelings of jealousy come with feelings of hurt because at the end of the day, jealousy partly is thinking, you know, that you are insufficient and someone else might give that person some, something that you cannot give them. You know, so you feel insecure and and then that hurts and that's, that's normal. So you might, you might, you know, feel those things and, and want to open up your relationship in which case, as I mentioned, I think that there are ways in which you can do it in a way that's not super hurtful. Like um, me and my partner, we didn't like just jump into it immediately. We, we did it like baby steps. So, you know, first, um, it was only okay for me to date certain people or date once a month or, or maybe you start with something smaller, like, okay, you can flirt with people without even kissing them, or you can m- make out with people at a party, but that's all you can do or, or whatever, you know, like you, you have to have that conversation with your partner and, 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 you know, try to become more comfortable with the idea. If that's what your partner and, and yourself wants. If you are non-monogamous and your partner is non-monogamous, then, you know, that's, that's okay too. That's fine. You just make this agreement. We're not going to see other people. We're not going to do other things. You might want to see, to do things like that are like, uh, monogamish, um, which is like a term that, uh, yeah. Dan Savage, a relationship expert coined. Right. So like, you, you want to be, you might want to be monogamous. So you might think, okay, well, we are monogamous mostly, but then we're going to do things together or, or it is okay for us to kiss people at parties, but that's it. Or, um, you can have platonic dates with people, but I don't want it to become sexual or the other way around. You know, you can have sex with people, but I don't want it to become romantic or, you know, there, there are ways in which you can not be fully monogamous or you can be completely monogamous that's like your choice but if you're in a situation in which you are non-monogamous and your partner wants to be sorry in which you are monogamous and your partner wants to be non-monogamous that's a lot harder right because Mm -hmm. um that's you know going to to make you feel uh jealous and that's gonna make you feel hurt but you should approach it you know you should make a decision with your partner about what your relationship is going to be like and if you do decide to try some some version non-monogamy whatever that might be then you know listen to my podcast and uh, put yourself in those situations uh, in which you know you might be a little uncomfortable but know that you know, it is an experiment. And maybe you realize trying that out that it does, really does not work for you and you don't want this and you break up their relationship. Or maybe the other person says, okay, well, I want it to be non-monogamous, but okay, it doesn't work for you. I'm going to be monogamous for you. And that's also fine, you know, like as much as I think that everyone should do whatever they think is right for them, you also have to do sacrifices, both in monogamous and non-monogamous relationships. So the sacrifice can be... Okay, I'm going to be monogamous for you, or I'm going to be non-monogamous for you. Or maybe we find a point in the middle, right? Like, as I said, with my partner, I was like, oh, I want non-monogamy. He was like, okay, I want monogamy. Okay, what's the point in the middle? And um, for, for a long time, you know, we just stayed at the point in the middle that, you know, that we were both sacrificing a little bit to, to be in a point in which we both felt somewhat comfortable. And then we started small, you know, baby steps, and then try it out. Always knowing that knowing that we could go back, but also knowing that it might work for us, and then we might to take another step. And then it becomes easier and easier to adapt to that if that's a sort of relationship that you want. I'm not sure if I answered your questions, but those are my thoughts around around yeah, that.
0: Every everything you're saying is perfect. Everything you're saying is perfect. Um, <laughs> it really, it really is. And like I said, like it's. Um, it's it's a new world. Like every everything's changing. Like I've got a lot of friends. This is actually going to lead into my next question because I, I I've had a lot of friends in the past who have done a lot of cheating, and I've had you know girlfriends in the past who have cheated. And I'm, I mean, like it's very upsetting. And when I was cheated on, I wasn't I wasn't upset that I. Of course, I was upset that I was cheated on. But what really confused me, Fernanda, is that why didn't she just break up with me? Because then it wouldn't have hurt as much, right? So, but then I see all these people cheating on each other, and I was like, why don't they just be polyamorous? I mean, like, isn't that, wouldn't that be the answer? Do you think a lot of people that cheat, they should try or are polyamorous, and they don't really realize it as an option?
1: I actually do think that's true. I, I, I don't think everyone who cheats is necessarily non-monogamous but i have come across a lot of people who said who tell me i i i was a serial cheater i used to cheat all the time and i just did it because i never thought that telling my partner that i wanted to see other people was even an option you know they didn't even like think it think of it as an option and some people say you know I did it because my partner I brought it up to my partner and they were not okay with it. But so many people are not comfortable having those conversations with their partners, hey, I'm I'm having feelings for someone else or not even that, like maybe that's too too big of a of a bomb to drop, <laughs> but more like hey, how, how what would you think what would you think about maybe seeing other people? or uh you know oh i had this conversation with my friend i listened to this podcast um if you are someone who who is in, in this situation you can just you know blame blame us and say i listened to this podcast and i found this this idea very interesting what are your thoughts on that uh and this is a conversation that a lot of people are not ready to have because they because of the stigma and because they feel like maybe their partner will feel like that means that they don't love them and and i think that. We should encourage people to have more of those conversations even if like afterwards the conclusion is we're gonna keep our relationship closed but a lot of people don't even try and they just assume that there's gonna be judgment and stigma and many in many cases there is but in many cases you know who knows maybe you bring it up and then the other person is like actually you know i've been thinking about this or actually i have a fantasy of having a threesome or actually uh, you know, I also heard a podcast or read an article about it. So I think it's important to have those conversations if you're having those feelings as opposed to cheating, right? Because again, with the cheating topic, you know, um, Esther Perel, uh, another relationship expert uh, who's like my I- idol uh she she mentioned that like I don't know one of her conferences or whatever she asked people like how many of you have been cheated on? Oh, I remember now I read it actually in in a book um, that I highly recommend, especially the audiobook It's called the State of Affairs and it explains why people cheat and kind of explores that topic and it even touches on non-monogamy at the end um, which I found fascinating, such a good book. she's uh, she has a beautiful, accent as well so if you listen to the audiobook it's just a great experience um but in in that book she says you know when i ask people uh in like a conference have you been cheated on like most people raise their hands but then they but then she asks, like have you cheated and not that many and like half the amount of people raise their hands right so obviously a lot of people are not being open about the fact that they cheat and um yeah, I believe that non-monogamy is a way in which you can have much more, more open conversations about that and not carry the guilt of having cheated or the guilt of having attractions or desires for other people. You know?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to look into that book. Um, so this makes me curious then because um, this is another question or conversation that's not doesn't really have much of an answer. Um, these things are hard all the way. So, I I want you to explain to me in your opinion. Now, I'm not asking you to answer the world's questions, but in your opinion, I I or I, the way you'd explain it. I want to understand a love dynamic because I understand through listening to your podcast, to um, reading some stuff, through listening to you talk right now, um, that you can love someone. But then the way you put it was really cool in one of your, I think it was episode two, I can't remember, Um, where you said that you enjoy that giving people pleasure is an option when that's all there is. It's like I'm able to do this for people. I was like, oh, that's a cool way to put it. I never thought about it that way. And the way I see it as a monogamous man is that what love means to me is that um, no matter whether they're um, – whether they're sexual or um they're uh, what's it called? Uh material or it has to do with wealth. No matter what my desires are, when I come home, when I do this, this or that, um, I'm dedicated to you and we're gonna build something together. And that's a very layman's terms baseline what it is. And that might be what it is for polyamorous people too. But I'd like to, if if you can, explain to me the way you see love in your life with um Having, maybe it's a nesting partner or having, um, if it's a triad, I, I, I'm just saying words and I don't know if they're correct. Um, if you have these people that you love, but then you're also, uh, you want to receive and give pleasure. Can you explain that dynamic in your life? Like, how does that work?
1: Yeah, of course. I'm happy to. So um, my relationship structure at the moment is I have a primary partner who's also my nesting partner those terms what they mean is primary partner means that i'm in a hierarchical uh, relationship structure in which i'm putting him first and he is my priority and my relationship to him is my priority in the way that i interact with other people some people believe in what they call relationship anarchy which means that you know there's not agreed, pre-agreed preconception of what your relationship is going to be. Like everything, you know, you, you can have whatever type of relationship you want with whoever you encounter. And that's a conversation that you have with the person, but there's no pre-established rules in that. For me, that's not the case. I do have a hierarchical relationship in which I'm prioritizing my partner, which is my primary partner. Uh, We have been together for uh, three years now. Um, Last month, we celebrated our third year anniversary. Congratulations. And thank you. (laughs) And You know, the way that we approached our relationship was... uh, So when I met him, I already knew that I was interested in this because, you know, as a young woman um, who likes to go out, and who is in an open uh community the burning man community you know i would get approached by by men and i would have these desires to maybe be with more than one person maybe not necessarily at the time you know not not more than one person in the same party or whatever but like you know i i would want to date around i i would get different like different offers and I'm a very extroverted person. I like um, meeting new people. I like talking. I like, um, you know, d- just connecting with people. And very often, those people who would approach me want to would want to connect in a sexual way. Now, not everyone is like me, but I am, or I have become the type of person who do, do, does not have to um relate you know um not relate but like um put together pleasure and 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 feelings right like for me i can feel very attracted to one person physically i i i can feel a desire to make them feel pressure or have them make me feel pleasure without thinking of the next day or thinking of um, what their relationship might become or thinking of the romantic feelings that might evolve. Like, I think that that's, that has changed in my life with time and with exploring this world, but, but at the time I met my partner, I had already realized that I was very comfortable just having friends with benefits, people that I liked as, 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 you know, as friends, but that also I had a good, sexual connection with, but that didn't mean that I wanted them to be my boyfriend. That didn't mean that I wanted them to, uh, uh, live with me or spend lots of time with me. It was more like, okay, I I enjoy seeing this person every once in a while and being sexual. Then why wouldn't I just do that and not being sexual with those people? I mean, I do that with some people. I do have male friends that I'm not sexual with and we're just friends, but I would get that offer, let's say very often and very often I'd be like, I feel attraction for this person. Why would I stop myself? Right. Mm. If, uh, this person is clear that this is just friends with benefits, it will not go further. Um, and other times I found that those people, even though they said they were okay with that, um, they would end up develop developing feelings for me and things could get a little messy which you know also made me learn that you have to establish kind of those um you know have those conversations early on um and just you know not being responsible for people's feelings as well um anyhow so i knew that i wanted some sort of open relationship because i had seen it and because i was dating around and i enjoyed seeing different people even though i didn't want to um, commit to them. Then I met my partner. and um, I had to explain that to him. And when I did, and I told him that I'd been in the community that I found it very interesting. Um, he said he was open to it. And at the moment I thought he meant like, he would also maybe like to explore that himself as well. Uh, which is something that to this day I have never experienced. Like I have never had a primary partner who who is is non-monogamous, right? So um I must acknowledge that I also don't have that perspective. Mm-hmm. But um but then I found out that he was just not interested in seeing other people. Not because not necessarily because he doesn't want to. I mean he is in my opinion a very attractive, charming man who I'm sure could get tons of girls if he wanted. Um, but he is simply a different type of person. He's an, he's an introvert. He does not want to spend his time chasing around girls. He wants, he prefers to spend his time being on his own and doing his own thing and being at home and chilling, you know? And, um, so I told him that, and then, you know, we, we built our relationship starting with, like, as I said, baby steps. So, oh, okay. You can only see people that at first it was like you can only see people that you um, that you have seen before, and that you know, and that nothing has developed from it, right? Because that that was safe for him. That meant that like I most likely would not leave him for this person because if I had already been with this person and I was still choosing to be with my primary with my partner, um, that meant that probably wasn't going to happen. Or, or you can only be with people who uh, have a partner. So I could, you know, only see people who had a girlfriend, you know, like men who had girlfriends yeah. or things like that. Um, so we started like that and we started very slow and it was, you know, very gradual and it was only after over two years or something in our relationship that we came to a point in which now he's comfortable with me dating other people and, and we still have our boundaries and, Uh, You know, um, our last boundary was like, okay, let's try to do it. You know, like you can go out on dates every two weeks. And that was a boundary that we kept for a while. But then, you know, I asked him the other yesterday, like, is it okay if I do this like once a week? Because there's like all these people I want to say bye to before I go on this trip. Is that okay? He's like, yeah, that's okay. Like, we have evolved so much. It's been a very slow process, but we have evolved. Um, coming back, that's just like to give people a context of like where I'm coming from, um, coming back to your relationship of like, how is it possible that, you know, I'm in love with my partner and I still want to give and receive pleasure for other, from other people. I just have a personality that likes new, new people, new things. Um, I have, you know a personality that enjoys, as I said, having like friends with benefits and that understands that that's a possibility without like hurting people. And I just, you know, I just really enjoy seeing other people and then coming back to my partner. And then when I'm away, I, I, you know, sometimes I'm with other people and it just makes me appreciate him more because I'm able to compare. Sometimes I just miss him. Sometimes I'm just thankful that, you know, he's allowing me to go out and have these experiences and have these dates and, and, and we can still be together and be fine. And, and, and that actually has like strength, strengthened our relationship more than, you know, hurt it. It was not easy. Obviously it was a lot harder for him than for me. Um, but as I said, you know, he managed to overcome his jealousy. And we have managed to explore this together in a way that we continue to communicate and we continue to grow in our relationships uh, in our relationship. And I'm so in love with him. Like I, I, yesterday I like texted him and I was like, I adore you. Like, I don't think because, you know, I had told him I loved him yeah. many, many, many times, but like, I was, you know, like lately for some reason, like, I've been just thinking, like, oh, my God, I adore this you're person. Gonna, you're going like, so <laughs> <wanted> to make me cry. I just wanted to express that, so I, I literally just texted him to tell him that I adore him, you know? Um, yeah. And I'm I'm going on a date tonight, you know? And those things, you you wouldn't think they're possible together because you don't see them, but they exist, you know? So it is possible, and, and there are lots of couples who are having healthy non-monogamous relationships. There are lots of couples who are having unhealthy non-monogamous relationships. It is very hard. It is very very difficult um, for for most people. We have we just have certain personalities that make it work for us. Again, I'm an extrovert. He's an introvert. Um, we have really good communication. It just works for us. It does not work for everyone. But but it's possible to have a healthy non-monogamous relationship. Um, and um. You know me and my partner, and many other couples who might not speak about it that much, but they exist out there. Are the proof of
0: it. I I really appreciate the way uh, you uh, mentioned how like you text him and all that. Like I, I enjoyed listening to you talk about your boyfriend. I enjoyed listening to you explain um, how you balance the two. Um, and I I feel like I'm going a polycurious podcast right now because I'm I'm just I'm listening to you. it's very, it's very enjoyable for me. I am makes me think about, um. I remember when I first messaged you, like, what, like two months ago? Like, a long time ago. And I think I said this in our messages, I'm not sure, where poly, the, the poly, not community, but the whole idea scares me or scared me, right? Because I didn't understand it. And I don't think it scares me for other people to be like that at all. Like, I think everyone should do exactly what they want to do and when they want to do it. I think the only scary thing is if it were dropped on me. Like in the middle of my relationship, I'd be like, oh my gosh, this is what the fuck is going on, right? That would scare me. I don't know how I'd react in the moment, but I know that sounds scary, but I do think that anyone who feels that they don't want to be non-monogamous, I think it would obviously be very beneficial to, I think, I don't know if it was you or your co-host from the first episode who was saying they had that six month term where they wanted to like experiment. Um, I think for a lot of people that, you know are they they thought about cheating or they have cheated or they um they're they're not feeling they're not getting as much as they want out of their relationships I think it would be a really good idea to have that you know form of experimentation while they're single and then if possible when they get into another relationship just flat out say hey this is how I live my life this is what I want to do because I think if that's how you keep saying and how you said in, in, in almost all of your uh your podcast episodes is it's, it's the communication it's laying the ground rules this is how it works this is what we do and all of your guests talk about it i think it's so important to communicate and it's so important to be honest you know right up front but if you find yourself um discovering who you are um sexually and what you identify as and all this in the middle of a relationship how how would somebody who is or wants to be polyamorous um explain this to their partner without it being explosive. Like that seems hard. No.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. And you know, ideally you would want to say that before, if that's something that, you know, but again, a lot of people don't know it. And then Mm -hmm. they start feeling desires for other people and they feel guilty about it and they try not to act on them. And then they end up acting on them and then they end up cheating. And this is not everyone, you know, some people never cheat but would have those desires. I'm sure some people do not have those desires, but the truth of it it is the majority of us have or have had desires for other people, even if you're in love, you know, like, Mm -hmm. as I said, at the beginning, it's all like, oh, I just want to be with this person. But like long-term relationships is normal that, you know, it's been a while, it's the same dynamic, it's the same sex. And then you meet someone that you might like, Have chemistry with that that happens right um as i said i mean i think that uh more than saying like oh i feel attracted for this other person uh which you know depending on your relationship if you have if you feel like you have those channels of communication open i think that it's a valid thing to bring up and it's a valid thing to say like hey i've been feeling attracted to this person this does not mean that i don't love you Um, and you know, I just don't want to cheat and I'm, I'm bringing it up to you so we can have a conversation about it. Um, you know, not everyone can have such open conversations because a lot of people might get defensive. If you feel like it's very hard to introduce them to the topic, then you can say, Hey, I listened to this podcast and they were talking about non-monogamy and she said, or he said, blah, blah, blah. Um, What do you think about that? Um, Or even just send them the podcast, send them uh, either this episode or or the Polycurious podcast or whichever other podcast or article or resource that made you open up your mind to it. Um, I think that it might be a difficult conversation to have, but um, I think you can just approach it with a you know lightness and just being like hey i'm i'm curious about this how would you feel and then see how they respond and respond respond to that right um but i think that's a better alternative than just keeping things in and then letting that lead to issues down the line another thing that i would like to say is that a lot of people think that um you know non-monogamous relationships both both partners want to be um non-monogamous in the same way and I I find that that's not true it's very very often like more often than not that one person has a different definition of what non-monogamy is Mm. and those are difficult conversations to have sometimes because when people open up it's like oh but you are dating more than I am or you know um it might happen that uh, the guy wants uh, their relationship to open up, to be sexual and have threesomes and the, for the sexual aspect, but they don't want the romantic aspect, uh, and the, and the woman does want the romantic, romantic aspect or the other way around. I don't want to stereotype. Um, but also, you know, be open to the idea that like you guys are both going to be in different points, even if you both want to be open as to what that will look like. And that conversation will not be a one time conversation. It's an ongoing process in which you have to find a middle ground, experiment and have another conversation and, and continue like that. If you end up opening up their relationship, if you are just introducing the idea, you know, just try to point, point, uh, your partner to resources, say in a way that's light, uh, stress that this doesn't mean that you don't love them. Um, you know, those are the things that are coming, coming up for me, uh-
0: and excuse me, Fernanda, and everyone listening. If I'm if I'm asking a lot of the similar questions, I just want to make sure I'm understanding everything thoroughly. Because um, I know you you you're repeating some of the things you said in the, uh, before, um, but I, I need that. I need to hear it um, in many different ways to understand thoroughly. Um, and I want to I want to open that up with um, with different types of non monogamy. Um, if you if you can give me like. The, like i don't want you don't have to give me everything um cuz i'm i assume there's there's a lot of options but what are some types of non monogamous relationships
1: right well uh we have uh, my partner and i in which uh, he is non monogamous and i am mono- uh, sorry he is monogamous and i am non monogamous um then we have people who are um you know who might have a primary partner but outside of that is like everything goes like there's no rules. There's, you know, which in my opinion, I find that like somewhat problematic because you know, the less, um, agreements you have with your partner, the more likely it is that something is going to come up that you are not comfortable with. But even if you have agreements with your partner, that can happen, but there's people who do not want to feel like they have any rules, any boundaries. There are people who have very strict boundaries. Like, you know, um, we can, you can only see this one person and you can only see this one person every three months or uh, a lot of couples um choose to only do things together so so they they are open in the sense that they invite you know a third or another couple into their bedroom but they don't do anything um you know when on their own Uh, there are people who only do it when they go on trips or things like that Mm -hmm. Or there are people who haven't done asked don't tell agreement but it is an agreement so like you know they they don't tell each other what happens but they do know that you know if the, if, if they're long distance or 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 if they're on a trip or whatever that things are happening but i rather not know actually me and my partner i mean i do tell him when i go on dates and all of that but i don't give him the details other couples love hearing the details actually some couples like Or some people get turned on by hearing the details of how the other person did things with someone else. Um, so it really is not a one size fits all. It really, really depends on the person. And, um, in the second episode of the podcast, I speak to also an expert who coaches people through this. And, and she has a course to find what type of relationship works for you, depending on your. Uh, personality traits. Right. So, so in speaking to her, I find, I, I realize that uh, novelty seeking, which is one of the traits is something that I'm very high of. Like I, yeah, not only with, with people, I, I like, you know, I'm that type of person who's reading like five different books at the same time, because I start one and I get bored and then I want another yeah. one. And that, that also applies in relationships. And instead of feeling guilty about it, you know you can accept that's part of who you are and design your relationship around it or it can be the opposite you you like stability you know like like my partner you like to know you know you you, you like to be with one person you like routine so then you design your relationship around that you know and um it is possible to to do that to design your relationship according to your personality traits, but there's really all sorts of types of relationship and, uh, of relationships in the non-monogamous world. Um, and yeah, I think that it's an ongoing conversation for, for, mm. for the couples that are doing it in a healthy way. And it's, it's changing all the time. You, know?
0: you um, you mentioned something like a, like two seconds ago, it reminded me, uh, cause you, you, talk about, uh, guilt a few times in your podcast and, Really, it's guilt for people who are asking to be non-monogamous and people who are uh, kind of dropping that like bomb on like people that are in relationships already. Have you ever felt guilt? And if you haven't, can you can you explain to me what it's like for people who have? Maybe you you know somebody who has, and how they got over the guilt.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I have definitely experienced a lot of guilt. Um, I I would actually say that. I've stopped experiencing so much guilt recently, um, because, okay, well, first of all, let me explain what the guilt was about. Um, I would feel weird asking my partner, even though I knew that it was okay for me to ask, I I would feel guilty or weird asking my partner to go on dates and see other people um and i think that simply came from the fact that i was not used to that that as a society again we are used to the idea that you know if you want to see someone else that means that you don't love the person so i could you know the person you're with so which is not true but but that idea and obviously i know it's not true i have a podcast about it but that idea is still somewhat ingrained in me so I don't know, I would feel shy or weird asking my partner if I wanted to see this person or, or this other person, um, I never know when to bring it up. And then I would always bring it up in the worst of scenarios. Um, and that's something that like took took time. And I think that the way in which I overcame that guilt, um, simply to practice, like now I don't have any, um, issues. Asking my partner, hey, is it okay if I go on a date with this person this this day? Just because I've done it so many times, not only asking, but I've gone to the date and then I've come back and I realized things are fine. So you just have to get used to to doing that. I don't know if that's the kind of guilt you are talking about, or if there, or if you had other examples of like feeling guilty, um, not just about asking, but maybe about something else.
0: No, I, I think that's I think that's what I was looking for because I, I wanted to. Because um, I imagine, I don't know how common your relationship is. It sounds like you got very lucky and it sounds like your boyfriend is perfect for you. And I feel like uh, I'll, it may be the case that a lot of times when someone wants to be non-monogamous and their boyfriend or girlfriend says, yeah, that's okay. They might still feel guilty in the beginning because this is new. And they're like, do they really think it's okay? Am I like betraying them? But they they might say it's completely okay and that might be fine. It's just that the person wants to be non-monogamous might beat themselves up over it even though they got permission and I wanted to know so you basically answered that for me like how do you get over that how do you you know understand how you're feeling so no you answered that perfectly that was exactly what I was looking for so no worries great okay. um so the other thing is um do you personally do you seek out dates or do you just let things happen because they happen
1: I, I just let things happen because they happen. Um, I'm lucky to be in a community of people that even though not everyone is non-monogamous, um, I think everyone is comfortable with the idea that, uh, people in the community just date around and, uh, people are not really attaching too much meaning to that. And one, actually one of the main reasons why I'm attracted to non-monogamy is because, I hated when, you know, I, I had a boyfriend and then I met someone else and then we would be having a great conversation or a great connection. And then I would have to cut that connection because I had a boyfriend. Um, so I don't, I don't like to force anything. Like I, I don't, I don't normally pursue people that I think objectively would be a good partner for me. I, I only pursue people, if you could call it like that, or express interest in seeing people that I feel a like connection with that happens organically. I'm not in any dating apps or anything like that. Um, again, I'm, I'm in a community in which is very easy for me to p- meet people that way, but that's not everyone's case. Um, and for some people, you know, dating apps and, and all those things work better also because not everyone wants to necessarily be dating their friends, you know, or, yeah uh, people in the same community, uh, because things can get, definitely can get messy. And that's also that, you know, um, I've been learning to navigate, but so far it hasn't been an issue. And I've thought of, you know, opening, a, a dating app account or whatever, just so I wouldn't be dating the same people in the same community. But at the end of the day, the way I see it, uh, there has to be some, you know, if I'm gonna, if I already have a a boyfriend, and, and I'm gonna go out of my way to see this person, like there has to be some sort of connection or chemistry. It needs to be worth it in that way for me. That's like, you know, and and going through dating apps, it's hard to find people that you feel chemistry with, right? You have to go mm-hmm. through a bunch of people probably. So so it just doesn't make sense for me at the moment.
0: I understand that's a lot of work. I mean, like to do all that for and, and not for, that. That sounds like a lot of work. So I, I understand that. I get that. Um, so you keep bringing up, uh, the community you have and the community you're in, um, before excluding them or maybe including them, I don't know. Has your relationships with people changed when they, uh, find out, uh, who you are and how you uh conduct your life or has everything kind of stayed the same?
1: Well, not everyone, um, knows about my lifestyle. I think that most people close to me know, um, you know, people at my nine to five job don't know, um, my family, some, some members of my family know, some members don't know. Um, but again, I think because I'm in Brooklyn in the burning man community um it's a lot more accepted than than you know than in other places in the world you know it's a very unique uh community and that's also why i wanted to do the podcast cuz i feel like i'm privileged to be in this space in which people are a lot more open about it i know a lot of people who live in other parts of the us and around the world really struggle um because there's a lot of judgement Um, I have personally not experienced too much of that. I mean, maybe I've had people who maybe are a little turned off by the idea. Um, But, you know, that's not necessarily the people that I care much to, you know, be involved with if they don't accept my lifestyle. And, and, um, you know, and again, the podcast is a way because I don't blame them, too. You know, they they have preconceptions which are normal and i i I also used to judge people in this lifestyle before so it's just about explaining them and even with my mom for example um you know at first i didn't talk to her much about it and now and she hasn't even listened to the podcast because she doesn't speak english um i'm from mexico by the way for anyone who (laughs) noticed an accent um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, um, she has, she hasn't even listened to the podcast, but just by talking to her, she's like open up her mind so much. And she asked, asked me questions and, you know, so you can have a little bit of prejudice, but if you're not willing to, you know, ask questions instead of making assumptions, then, um, you know, I don't, I don't care for people who are prejudiced in that way. Um, but I'm, again, I'm privileged. I think that a lot of people, um, deal with a lot of stigma and they keep it, you know, separate from from their professional life, from their family, and, and all of that, which is understandable. But hopefully, hmm. the more people speak about it, the more acceptable it becomes, and the less judgment there
0: is about it. Yeah, I, I guess it, it, it's pretty normal to keep your sex life to yourself when you're at work, of course, you know. Um, so, I also want, because you, you, you kept mentioning your community, I also wanted to talk about... Um, Because while I was listening to your podcast and you guys would uh, talk about play parties, which I didn't know was a thing, like that's uh, the whole new world to me too. How do you stay protected during those things? Like that seems really dangerous. I don't mean like physically harmed, although that's, you know, a problem too. But like sexually, how do you stay protected? Like do people get tested? Like how does that work?
1: Um, Well, I mean, it's everyone's choice to protect themselves in whatever way. They choose to. I uh, personally, I always use condoms. I I do not have unprotected sex with anyone but my primary partner, and a lot of the parties um, that you know, a lot of the play parties have condoms all around and and have um, you know people encouraging you beforehand to to ask for consent when you do things and to use protection. So in a, in a way, I think that it's like a lot safer than another party where you might encounter someone who's not ready to to you know pull out a condom or 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 you haven't had that conversation before going into the party Mm. so unlike what most people think actually i think that at least the the play parties that i know of uh, are really safe you know
0: yeah that uh because that that's the first thing i actually thought of i was like Oh wait a second! How uh, what? That's like sketchy, isn't it? But I mean, like, I guess a lot has to do with trust, and you know, I mean, like, if you're in that community, I I it sounds the way you would explained it. Everyone seemed like outrageously nice and like friendly, and like, and it's a lot different than um what's normal. And and again, I I don't know if it was you or your co host you said it in that first episode, but um they were comparing uh you know mingling with people um at those parties versus mingling with people like at you know bars and how incredibly different it is and how at parties where the where the <clears throat> excuse me the main objective or the goal is not just to have fun but like you be polyamorous to express yourself sexually if that's what you wanted to do that night where at a bar although that's a watering hole people go to meet people it's not really one of the objectives to sleep with someone all the time. So it's weird how people end up being more rude and disrespectful at bars and about at like normal places, yet at play parties, at least this is the way I, I've heard it been described, people are way more respectful. And um that's not something you you would expect, you know? So that, that was interesting hearing that. Um and is is that usually the normal?
1: Yeah, I do think that um there's definitely Uh, You know, like in every party, there's also people who are more predatorial and who might, even though they might um, ask for consent, they might not be as sensitive around that. It's not like it's so, you know, perfect. But, um, you know, again, most of these parties have you sign a thing that says, You know, you have to receive what they call enthusiastic consent, right? Which like, you know, you should not, if, if someone is like, oh, um, eh," you know, they don't seem really sure, don't go ahead and do something that might make them feel uncomfortable, but like make sure that they want it, you know, and, and that they, they verbalize, yes, please do this to me, you know, things like that. Um, so yeah, I mean like in every situation, there's going to be people who, who might follow that more than others, but there's definitely this pre-made agreement that this is how things are going to go. Right. And another thing that, you know, I, I found appealing about play parties is that, you know, um, when you meet someone at a bar and he invites you a drink and then you make out there's there's some sort of expectation that things are going to go further. Right. And at a play party, things can don't doesn't don't have to go further. You can just kiss someone, say, thank you, very nice to meet you, bye-bye, and then go away and then maybe be with someone else if you want or not be with anyone, you know? And um, I think that's also a misconception about play parties. It's all about sex. Many times I've just gone and, and hung out and maybe, you know, uh, gave someone a massage or someone gave me a massage or maybe I made out with with a couple of people, but like I have not had sex. Like it's a it's a it's a place where where it's safe to explore without feeling like there's gonna be an expectation of things going farther. So that's also why in a way it's safer than in other environments.
0: I, I heard uh I actually uh I don't know if empathizes the right word. That might be too dramatic, but I was like, oh I get that. Um because you said that, or your co-host was saying that you enjoy just, like, massaging people. I love giving massages. Like, it, cause I feel like I'm actually good at it. So I'm like, yo, I can do this. Um, and I, I was like, oh, and, and then you mentioned that, like, at play parties. Like, you can just, like, do things like that, which is, I... I, like, I like I'm saying, Fernando, like I, like, I don't know what this world's like, and that's why I invited you on. And it's... You know, I don't want to say... I've, I'm an offender or I'm I'm part of the reason why there's a, a stigma against people in the poly community. Because I've never spoken out loud about it. Um, however, like I originally said, it, it made me fearful. And I think it's because, you know, I'm protective over how I want to conduct my life. But I don't have a problem with how other people conduct their lives. But when I listen to you talk and when I listen to your guest talk... Um, and how simple it is or how simple people can make it. I'm like, "Oh, okay, it's not e- it's like not even that big of a deal." I could see why this could be something that's normal. Um would it ever be normal for me? I don't think so, but I can see it. I I understand their anger if there is anger. I understand the anger or the, or the aggr- uh, aggression or how annoyed someone might be in that community you're in when there's a stigma against people that are like that. And I also understand, which I I think is gonna lead me into my next question, where it's there's people are afraid, like myself, of polyamory, uh, for a lot of the reasons. The reasons could be uh territorial, they could be sentimental. I know I'm a very, very sentimental lover. I mean like it Friend, I am so like sensitive I'll cry about everything like I'll be mowing the lawn and I'll see a rock on the ground and it's gonna remind me of my girlfriend and I'll start crying and my neighbors are gonna look at me like what is this guy doing crying while he's mowing the lawn (laughs) like that's that's me that's what I do I'm very sentimental and so maybe people are like really sentimental maybe people are like really uh what's the word I just used before like territorial but when you are searching, and I say you the royal you, because I don't mean you specifically, but anyone, when you're searching for a new relationship uh, as someone who is non monogamous, do you think it, or do you find it annoying? Or do you find it, um, I don't even know, when, if you're non monogamous and you want to ask someone to, let's start a relationship, is it upsetting for people when they say no and the reason is because they're not monogamous? Or do you think that's understandable? Because I have my opinion. I want to hear your opinion.
1: Because they're monogamous or because they're not? Yeah, so
0: let's say, for instance, if someone is non-monogamous and they find someone who is monogamous, really attractive, and they are romantically interested in them as well. So the non-monogamous person says, hey, let's go on a few dates, let's go out a little bit, and let's talk. And the monogamous person says, I'd rather not because this is your sexual lifestyle and I don't identify with that. That's a appropriate way to handle that, of course, but does that happen a lot? And is it like kind of like a problem for a lot of people where you can't find enough people in the community that
1: you're, you you want to be with? I would say it's a problem for some men. Um, okay. I have not found it to be a problem for women. I have not found it to be a problem for myself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I do think that I'm sure there are women out there who, who have that issue. Uh, but I think that it's uh, and and I t- I we talk about that in the podcast as well. It's 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 happened to a lot of guys that they encounter women who are like, no, I don't really be, I I don't really want to be your, I think so, someone someone said like your side sidekick, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so like it's not, it's not, unfortunately, it is something that does happen. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, for the reasons I mentioned before, there's uh, more more men who are actively looking to hook up with women than like women looking to hook up with men. So if women have like all these options, why would they choose someone who already has a partner? That being said, that might be very attractive to some people uh, who do not want to commit or do not want a serious relationship. And it, that creates a boundary that makes it, easier for them to be like oh yeah I would date you because you have a partner and I'm not interested in having a serious relationship with you so uh, you know it can be the other way around
0: uh, I actually want to clear the air real quick real real quick everybody the reason why I said uh, a rock before when I was talking about my girlfriend is because she's into like Wicca and she has crystals and stuff so I'm I'm not an idiot anyway um (laughs) so I we keep going back to the um the women men and how they're different. And I, I agree with you. There's not really an argument for me to, you know, to give. I I do think the way women treat sexuality and the way men treat sexuality is completely different. Um, and I have noticed, and I'm not the only one, I mean, like my girlfriend's bisexual, um, and most of the women in my life are bisexual, if not, um, lesbian. And I feel like women are way more comfortable with deviating from open quote end quote the normal when it comes to sexuality than men where are we on the same page there a little bit
1: yeah yeah i mean um yeah it's kind of what we were talking about before right that uh more more men are uncomfortable with the idea of their partners being with other people than women with that idea
0: now do you think...
1: It's a generalization. Sorry. We don't we're, we don't know. We're just talking from... Yeah,
0: you, the, hypothetically, I, I, like, I could only see so far, right? But, so, do you think, based on our uh, perception on what we're capable of seeing, do you think the reason why uh, there's a difference between men and women is natural, cultural, or societal? Do you think it's part of who we are as humans or part of who we are as a culture? Like, we were trying to talk... Kind of talking about before.
1: I definitely think that it's a uh, cultural, um, again, patriarchy, mm-hmm. uh, the idea of women as objects that you can own, and if, if someone else has the object, then it's not.
0: Gotcha. You know, then
1: then you're you're less. Um, there's a book on this topic that I have not read, but I've heard a lot about, and I've listened to um, the, the podcast of the author. It's called Sex at Dawn. Uh, and he explores, he goes back in history and explores the idea that, like, monogamy is actually constructed and that our nature is not necessarily monogamous. It is a social construction, from mm. what I understand of the book. So if people are interested in, um, you know, looking into that, that's a resource. Um, I, I, I can only speak from my from my experience, uh-huh. and I feel like men who are resistant to that is because um they're possessive and possessive men are possessive because women are objectified and and again i'm not necessarily blaming those feelings on the men. the men might have good intentions and might want to let go of that possessiveness and let go of that shame attached with you know having their their uh female partner be with other people And they might have a really hard time because of society, Mm. but that's something that they can identify and be like, okay, I have this, you know, it's like racism, right? Like, um, you can identify your white privilege and be like, okay, I'm going to do something about it. Uh, you can identify your, your, your gender privilege, your, your, that you are privileged or, or, you know, your, that we live in a patriarchal society and be like, okay, but I'm going to actively try to. Deconstruct that and not be possessive and not be jealous and um, work through those feelings. Like accept it, but you know do something about it. The
0: way you're explaining things, it's it's um, really easy to understand the, the, the way you're explaining things. Um, which is another reason why everyone should go listen to your podcast. And and whether or not I agree, you agree, or anyone agrees with anything we're saying. I'm I'm very happy with the way you're explaining things because like I like this is it's easy for me to understand where you're coming from and how you're saying it and why you're saying it. And do you think that um when you talk about um equality whether it's um like you use uh, like racism and um everything as an example but if we're going to if to stay on the uh the sexuality of uh you know being non-monogamous or uh whatever vice versa all the uh The options out there do you ever think that i don't want to say equality because i don't think equality is ever perfectly possible because there's too many variables i think we'll always strive for it i think it's going to be very hard to get it perfect um but we can get it very close but do you think that um there'll be a point where both men and women are able to be completely open with exactly how they feel and want to feel do you think that's in our future
1: unfortunately um I don't think that there's ever going to be a time in which everyone's going to be open about how they feel and things are going to just work out. Um, I do think that it's going to be a point in which more women are going to feel empowered to speak out and stand up for the type of relationship they want, despite what their, you know, the, their partners or society says about it um but i I, I think that it, it's still really hard to find men who are really at that level of thinking of women as equal and mm-hmm. treating them as such um which is sad but um that's the reality of it. So my hope and um, my wish is that in the future we have more and more men who are truly you know feminist in the sense of, treating women and respecting women the way that they are respected and that they are treated.
0: Yeah, I guess it would have to, um, a lot of it has to do with the uh, the way you define a lot of things, uh, the way you define feminism, the way you define uh, sex, relationships, um, power. Um, so I, it does seem like a really hard thing to accomplish. But, um, you know, I, I just... Because I I see, well, okay. So what do you think in a, in a monogamous relationship? Who do you, whether it, whether it be true or not, um, what would you say, or what would would it be male or female who holds um, more power? At least like in the media, like how people express monogamous relationships. Because I I'd imagine most people would say, the way the media portrays it, um, the men hold more power. Whether it be true or not is not what I'm saying. And then I want you to say in a mono, uh, non-monogamous, is there anyone that holds more power or is it more equal? And again, it doesn't have to be binary. I'm just throwing a question out there and you can you can rip it up and explain it in a different way if you want.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of our society, men definitely hold more power, um, sadly. Um, in terms of a non-monogamous relationship, it really depends. Uh, I, I've seen... You know, I've seen women who are in relationships in which they are really the ones making the decisions or they're really the ones who have the upper hand and, um, who control, control their partners more. I've seen it the other way around. Uh, I think that the, you know, like, I think that in order for you, for a man to be in a non-monogamous relationship in which the woman has the same, uh, rights as, as a man that already requires like a level of openness. Uh, so I feel like men who are in non-monogamous relationships might be, uh, less sexist, but that's by no means the case always. Uh, a lot of the time the men want to open up their relationship because they want to be with other people, but the moment the woman start wanting to express desire for other people or doing things with other people, they're not okay with that all of a sudden. Mm. Right? So um that also happens. It's um, you know, like in any relationship, monogamous or non-monogamous, it depends on the on the person and, and their relationship dynamic.
0: Fernanda, this has been fantastic. You know you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna work we're going to end this and I'm going to be so angry because I'm going to have so many questions based on everything you said to ask. And I'm like, well, I, I missed my chance, but I guess that's what the Polycurious podcast is for. Right. Um, it really, and like I said before, if whether or not you or anyone does or does not agree with things you say or the way you say it, it's still an incredible educational resource. Um, and I do mean it. I mean, like, like I said in the beginning, if, if I kept listening to, uh, your podcast, I would have like nothing to ask you right now. Like it actually really um, helped explain things, um, and the quality is great, and it's just cool because you really let people explain themselves, and hopefully, now I don't I don't know how I feel I don't know how I feel about uh non monogamy I don't know how I feel about really anything I, I'm I'm. I'm trying to figure things out because I'm interested in people. um I want to understand what other cultures are like, what other people are like, and what other lifestyles are like. So I can't say much about myself. However, if anyone out there is questioning or is is curious right um her podcast her podcast is great um especially because it's it's not somebody explaining why you should or should not do something. It's it's her talking to other people and asking them what choices they made and why they made those choices. So I think that's why it's good. So rather rather than it being um, someone preaching, it's someone really venting. You know, venting about what they've been through and why they've been through it and all what I just said. So I, I really think that's fantastic what you're doing. And I and I want to ask is is there going to be a second season?
1: There will be a second season. Um, it's going to come out next year. Um, I'm not sure if uh, you probably know this, but, uh, is a project that I'm doing outside of my regular work. Um, so it takes a little while, Mm. but uh, there will be another season starting next year. And meanwhile, there's already 13 episodes ready for you. (laughs) Um, you just have to, you know, search Polycurious wherever you listen to podcasts, they'll pop up and, um. We're also on Instagram, Poly Curious Podcast, and uh, yeah, I, I encourage people who are curious to check out those thirteen episodes, and then uh, we'll be we'll be back next year with another season.
0: Incredible! Uh, that that's great, and guys. Like like I said before, there's gonna be a lot of questions that I that I can't even that. I want to ask but can't ask right now because there's so many of them and I'm going to beat myself up for it later. But what you should do is go listen to the podcast, Um, go on our Instagram, just take a look at everything, you know, use it, like I said, as an educational resource. Um, And, of course, if you like this, go ahead and like it, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. But, Fernanda, other than uh, your Instagram and your podcast, is that it or do you want to promote anything else? It's all going to be in the description, by the way
1: uh no i mean that's it um yeah i would love to hear if if you do check out the podcast i would love to hear from from people what they think i always love to hear that and um yeah i hope that it is a resource and i'm always open to to answer questions and um you know just reach out on instagram or wherever wherever you like
0: absolutely guys thank you so much and uh we will catch you on the next one peace